Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we have a special Thanksgiving edition. So happy Thanksgiving week. And it's kind of interesting wishing someone happy Thanksgiving week during 2020 might be like a curse. Yeah. (laughs) May you have the Thanksgiving of a 2020. Yeah, there you go. Uh, But we think we uh, do hope, in fact, that you have a great week and that you figure out how to enjoy your Thanksgiving. But we thought we'd give you a special Thanksgiving edition of Jim and John where we offer you, wait for it, our 10 rules for life. Yeah, because you, if you kept thinking, these guys talk about the Bible too much, I want to hear what they think about <laughs> stuff, not the the bulletproof word of God. Yeah, so uh, we've got you covered. <laughs> so we're going to give you, we each came up with five. We have not shared them prior to this moment, and so... We're going to give you, um, each of us, five each, of rules for life. We think these are take-it-to-the-bank, money, principles of life that will not do you wrong. In fact, they will serve you well. Yeah, we think so. All right, let's get started, John. Well, first of all, it's uh, story and or joke time, and it's just your week to tell a story or a joke. Tell me you have a story. <laughs> I do have a story. I've gotten some heat from my co-host about my stories. <laughs> so I figured I'd... About I'd, your stories? About my stories. About them not being stories, about just being kind of things that you like. So I chose a story with intrigue, drama, <laughs> a payoff. Oh, no. Uh, it's short. And so... Uh, Don't oversell it then. Let's just hear it. Okay. So I'm at Northwest, and I'm in the dorms. And the dorms, if you've heard me talk about it, uh, most fun I've ever had in my life was was college. Not just the dorms, in the apartments too, because I had this crew that I built. I didn't build it. I was half adopted into in the dorms, and then we moved into the apartments as a group. And it was six dudes in an apartment is unbelievable. It's it was rough, but I had so much fun. Anyway, in the dorms, um, we were accused of being clicky. Me and this crew. Because the dorm floor, it was actually, it's the smallest uh, guy's dorm on campus. Um, and uh, so so maybe like 24 guys on this on floor. On that floor. On the floor. And my group was maybe, you know, um, seven, seven or eight. So seven, uh, eight out of 24. So a third of the floor mm-hmm. excluded the other two thirds. And I would say, you know. If I would say I, we that we were open, it wasn't you know we didn't lock the door when we hung out, but we were friends. You know, I th- I would call it a natural progression. It was not uh, political. It was not. Uh, well, here's an example: when you get a group of people together and you say, "Hey, make a circle," yeah, they will make a circle with their backs pointing outward. Yeah, this is human nature. Doesn't mean that they don't welcome others into the circle, but your back is to the crowd. And so it's not an easy circle to penetrate. I don't doubt it. There you go. And I was fortunate to get this group. <laughs> anyway, so we are going to uh, uh, Applebee's for the night. We're gonna we're gonna just go hang out at Applebee's. And uh, one of the problems was because we had been accused of clickiness, cl- cl- clickosity, 
(laughs) (laughs) We now had some secrecy from our RA because he had been very, very um, opposed to to us. It it, it got a little babysitterish. It got a little okay. Did you invite your little brother? It came into turned into that little thing. Yeah. So we're and and hey, so you're sneaking out. To go to Applebee's. Yes. Hey, and I'm not the necessarily You're good guy. Out. Me yep. and my me and my you know uh, bullying friends. Aren't I feel the, like aren't we're necessarily the good guys. I feel guys. like we're on NPR. Remember that night we <laughs> snuck out to go to Applebee's and we didn't tell anybody. It's almost like a Seinfeld episode where no one's a good good guy in it. It's just a funny story. Yeah. So we're, we're being a little clandestine. So uh, my buddies are waiting for me out in the hallway. I'm getting my shoes on. I'm getting my 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 jacket on, and um. And the RA is down the hall, and he says, uh, where are you guys going? And I, I have my door closed, so I don't hear this. They say, they say, oh, uh, nowhere. And then I open the door and go, you guys ready? And, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, and then he asks, uh, um, or no, so I, I came out and said, you guys ready? He said, where are you guys going? And they both look at him and go, what? Like they just didn't hear him. And then we just basically walk off the floor <laughs> and go out to the car, go to Applebee's. And uh, and it was it was a hoot. Um, again, not necessarily. The gr- I'm not. You know, I hung out with a lot of guys in high school, especially. I was the groupless yeah, man. You were. You were. I had friends from all walks of life, so I kind of it was nice to be part of the group. And I hung out with lots of different people. But uh, anyway, that was just a fun shenanigan. There you go. And that's a story, right? That's got a beginning, middle, and end. I believe kinda. that is a story. Kind of, it's got context. Yes. So, uh, I, I think it's a great story. <laughs> well, it it passes muster. Good. I wonder what that means, passes muster. I think you made that up. No, no. You've never heard that phrase? I don't think so. It passes muster. You muster as a verb. You muster courage. I'm telling you, that's a phrase. You it passes muster. You can't pass any other verb. You can't pass jump. <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> We're going to look that up later. Okay. And uh, But now let's get in our list. John, you want you want to go first, number one? And did you prioritize your five, or are they just in any random order? I only prioritize my last one because it's, it is um, a summation. It is kind of like... Oh, okay. It's a new... Um, I, I have a hard time sometimes finding through lines. I feel kind of like chaotic. Like, oh, I have, so I have all these ideas. It's not really a through line. I think I found relatively recently a kind of through line and so i put it at the end but everything else is kind of interchangeable that's a breakthrough moment you had a you had a breakthrough a little bit do you are yours in priority order uh, yes okay so do you want to go first or last is your last one like a boom no no it's not like that okay you go really first. The, the highest priority is just my first one you go first then because my highest priority is my last so you go first and i'll take the last one okay here we go number one rule for life live for an audience of one. Mm. This will be the wisest thing you do. I would say another way I word this that people don't necessarily like is that being a total slave of God is the wisest thing you could ever do. Amen. So live for an audience of one. You're going to be tempted to live for an audience of yourself. You're going to be tempted to live for an audience of others. These will always misguide you. If you can live Simply by one ultimate question, what does God want me to do? Do that. That that will serve you well. You will have more freedom. You will have fewer scars and wounds. You will go further, faster. You'll have more integrity. You'll have more respect. Uh, You're going to win, 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 win. Mm -hmm. 
if you live only for an audience of one. And the uh, uh, you, the word you use enslaved, that's the unpopular word. That's the kind yes. of, it's got baggage. But that is the, um, that is so descriptive because it is how you do that. So, you know, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You can't, uh, looking for your life, you can't keep your life and get... Right. You know, the hidden life in, in Christ and get the yeah. real. You the can't real. give him part of you. You can't make him first in some arenas, but seventh in others. So that submission is really. It really is. The key of it. I am a bond slave. Yeah. That, that's great. And um, uh, what's the word? Uh, asterisk here. There's not a whole lot of. All of these are implicitly script, uh, um, um, biblical or, yeah. or spiritual. I don't, so I don't say God should be the first part of your life because that is implicit. That is sure. My list relies on that knowledge, I guess is what I would say. Yeah. So you're saying yours are all spiritual. I would not say mine are all spiritual. Right. But, but I mean, when, when my list, when I get to the end and you say, wait, where was the Bible in your list? Oh, you know, it's like, well, it was implicit. Yeah. Of course the Bible should be the bedrock of your life. That doesn't make the list. Yeah. I did not concern myself with trying to sound biblical. Right. Okay. So we're good. All right. Okay. My number one is. Which is number two on the list. Number two on the list. Excuse me. Yes. Because there's a list of 10 of yes. Jim and John's 10. Yes. We are a unit. <laughs> uh, number two, the world is much bigger and much different than what you see around you. And this is uh, a recent kind of thing, both in myself and in, in Western culture specifically. So um, there is the assumption that um, that this is the world, right? And it makes sense in your community, in your culture, your broader culture, your country, um, it makes sense that you have a, you know how this world works, America. You know how America sure, basically it's the works. one you live in, right? But when, um, you know, one group of America. So, like, let's take um, internet users, right? There are roughly, according to the uh, social dilemma, two billion uh, internet users on the planet. So that's two billion out of seven billion. That's hard to believe. Yeah, I thought the number would be way higher. You'd think so. So that's two billion. That's um, a a significant minority of humans. The world's population, right? Then you go just Westerners online, just our kind of culture online, like you know England, Germany, France, um, the Western world, the Western world online. That's probably you know optimistically that's like a half, maybe two thirds of that two billion, and that is what we call. In this culture, the world, that's the whole world. If you're not on the internet, you're not in the world anymore, man. Right. You're, you're the, we view those people as the minority freaks when in, as far as the world goes, we are the minority by a pretty significant margin. So the point being only that, um, we make so many assumptions based on this. It's like, Hey man, um, it's 2020 people aren't racist anymore. It's like, well, there's genocides happening like right. 2000 miles that way. Yeah. And we can go there and look at it. And it's like, it's not, it's not defending that, but it's, it's an, it's an not accurate understanding of the world. Yeah. That's really good. I, you know, we tend to think of America as the epicenter of Christianity, exactly. for example. Mm-hmm. And actually the epicenter of Christianity is either in Asia, Africa or Latin America. Mm. And, um, we send missionaries all over the place and yet we're the, one of the rare countries in the world where Christianity's in decline. Yeah. So, uh, it is easy for us to think about Christianity as an American concept. And I think it helps with just your understanding of, you know, I don't see, um, I don't see spiritual activity. I don't see miracles. I don't see, I don't see the spirit, um, 
things of the spirit going on. And it's like, well, people on the front lines of the mission field, it's going down over there. Like, yeah. it's crazy over there. Yeah. So an, an understanding of people would say, oh, I don't think those things happen anymore. Mm. Um, that might be a narrower understanding of the world than you should have. All right. Number, number three. three. And if I'm ever going too long, you have the right oh, you're to. you're good. Uh, you're good. Yeah. Number three, don't accept criticism from someone to whom you would not seek advice. Mm, that is, yeah, that's great. Uh, as a people-pleasing pastor, um, I have allowed people to just grind me to powder. I wish somebody had told me this rule for life in my 20s. Mm. It is so clarifying to, and it's not that you don't receive criticism, because I believe in every criticism there's a grain of something you probably can take. Sure. So gain what you can from it, but certainly do not, do not own it or inhale it or be owned by let it I, uh, um, the criticism the of someone that you to whom you would not go to go for advice. Yeah, it doesn't define you. No. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the aha is I'm letting a guy's opinion rule my life when I wouldn't even ask that guy advice on anything. How to cook a steak? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's big, and especially because I think the focus on you you brought up in a in a positive relationship in a in a um actually this might not have been you in a happy relationship you have about uh two to one or or three to one positive moments and negative moments so it's not an even split you don't have to break even to have a good relationship on good moments and bad moments mm-hmm. it has to be significantly better it does because the so negative, I'll just say six to one six to one for every negative thing you say it takes six positive things to get to a zero balance that's an yeah and it, it makes sense. Because the negative is so powerful. So it one is, it, so powerful. in the same way, one criticism is really, really significant. <laughs> so I think that's huge. Yeah. All right. Number four. Number four. Uh, you might have to look pretty far down the line, but eventually it really will all be okay. Mm. So, it, uh, you know, it might only be in the smaller instances. It might be all okay in a week or a day or a month. And it might take really like, you know, after you're dead and gone like like as far as like you're you've lost oh, a child so it could be eternally yes it, it might take eternity yes but eventually when kingdom come it will all be okay hmm. and uh and an optimistic perspective because and i've mentioned this before that uh reading a sad chapter in the book and you know how it ends you know the final chapters it's a good it ends well it's a it's a fairy tale it's a it's a happily ever after thing uh changes the context of every every scene in the book. So, um, yeah, just kind of a, a macroscopic perspective mm. that eventually it really is all okay. I like I, one of the ways I've said that in my life is even if it doesn't work out, it's going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's exactly it. All right. Uh, where are we at? Number five, number five. And then, uh, I suppose we'll take our break after number yeah, five. Yeah. We're, we're making, uh, we're making good time here, yeah. but, but it's a holiday episode. It's a holiday it's episode. A, we're it's not a little lighter than, yeah. Yeah. Uh, number five. And I'm, I'm going to word this the way I wrote it, but I think I'll tweak it. Don't trust people who don't have long lasting friendships. Ooh. So, um, Hmm. I was thinking one time I was, we were, I was needing to hire another employee. Sure. And I was sorting through how to pick well. <laughs> sure. I felt like I had had a series of unsuccessful hires. And I was trying to figure out, um, you know, and one of the, it hit me. 
every employee I've ever worked with that I've loved mm-hmm. has one thing in common. They have friends that are usually decades old. Depending on how old you're. Your, depending on your how old they are, is, I guess. And they have at least one friend who would move across the country to do something crazy with them. Dang. And so I now have that rule in my hiring practices. If I'm considering an employee and they don't have a single friendship that's older than a shirt, my shirts, <laughs> and they don't have a friend who would do something crazy with them and go across the country to do it, then I don't think I want to work with them. Interesting. And, and uh, you know, in, in shallow terms, how do you well, – why is that? What kind of person has long-term friends? It takes a skill set. Um, to, to have long-lasting friendships, you have to be able to navigate conflict and come out on the other side still connected. Hmm. You have to forgive people who hurt you. Yeah. Um, it, it requires a skill set. And the absence of those skills is what makes somebody uh, non-sustainable as a friend or as an employee or a partner. And could you concede that there is such thing as um, bad luck, bad social luck? Or maybe they were an army brat and they moved <clears throat> around too much or... No. 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 Man, Pastor Jim doesn't give any breaks. Santa Claus doesn't give any breaks. <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't think I would concede that. Wow. And how do you ask in an interview? Do you just say, who's your oldest friend? No. I say, tell me about somebody that you've been friends with for more than five years. Tell me about that guy. Hmm. Um, okay, you're going you're gonna to move somewhere remote and try some crazy idea. Tell me two people you could talk into doing that with you. Those are good questions. That's fun. Those are those are fun questions. Yeah, a lot of people go. Uh, I don't. I don't have one of those. If some guy ticked every box except <laughs> the friend box, do you think about it or is it? Oh, I think about it, but but the smart part of me says don't do it. That's don't do it. Very very interesting. Now there's a little. Here's a little sneak peek to my stupidity, craziness, whatever silliness. The last question I ask in every interview, especially if it's a group interview. Mm-hmm. I'll ask them. Okay, this is a this is one of those weird uh, correlation, not causation, but it is a knockout question here at Evergreen. Are you sock sock shoe shoe, <laughs> or sock shoe sock shoe? And they look at me like they're trying to guess, and they'll say, and it doesn't matter what answer they give. I go ooh. <laughs> just funny. to scare them a little bit. Yeah, I'm glad you weren't on my interview panel. I guess, <laughs> but. Awesome. Okay. Uh, it is show and tell time. Yes, and it is. It's your week for show and tell. Yeah. So I have this thing I just recently got, actually t- a couple days ago, uh, from a family in our church that gave us a gift for pastor appreciation. Nice. And uh, so it's a it's a box. I'm going to say it is a, I'm going to say it's a box probably four inches by four inches by four inch square. Okay. Looks like a house. All windows. One wall of the house opens up. It's those little windows, like little cross windows. Yeah, like long, like rectangular thin windows, top and bottom on four walls. Okay. The roof is uh, aluminum, kind of stainless steel, aluminum-looking roof. Sure. And uh, one wall opens up, and a candle holder slides out, and you put a little tea candle, I think they're called. Mm-hmm. Inside there, light that bad boy up and close it. So it's like a little lantern that looks like a house. And it it is a, that candle provides power to a set of LED lights in the aluminum roof 
of this little house. And uh, so it's not solar powered and it's not electric powered, hmm. but it powers these LED is it lights. Heat powered? I think it is heat powered. And you can raise the roof mm-hmm. <laughs> with these uh, telescoping uh, bars, mm-hmm. and it is surrounded by LED lights that you can then aim to read a book or have light in your home. So it's a candle powered lamp. It's a candle powered lamp with LEDs. Yes. And it's so it's attractive to look at and it provides light with no energy source except that little candle. Man, it's really, really cool. So and it came with candles. Yeah, it came with three candles, and they sent me also another box of six more little candles. Those, and you can't reuse a candle. I was going to say, that's what I'm curious about. Does it not put off enough heat if you reuse it? No, I think, I think the wicks are unreliable. And so my theory about not being able to use a candle a second time mm-hmm. is just like burning nasty wood in your wood-burning fireplace. It'll increase the soot in your flue. Oh, interesting. So I think that a, that a used wick might contaminate the heat supply source faster mm. that's my theory and if you put a non-proprietary candle in there oh yeah any tea candle will work it's got to be that small flat size you know yeah interesting it's really cool that's and and a cool gift from a, from a family clearly they, they thought of you yeah or they saw they thought hey uh daryl do you still have that really weird lamp we haven't used in two years <laughs> let's give that let's re-gift the, that thing. yeah yeah no these people are not re-gifters and one of their names might not be daryl i was making up a name I was, no there's no daryl okay good uh, but I we'll, felt really bad. Yeah, but we'll put a picture of that on the Instagram uh, because it's it's really cool. It is cool. Yeah. yeah. All, All right. Awesome. Commercial time. We'll be right back. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, Consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash Jim and John. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for listening. And we just would love to ask if we were going to ask one favor of you, a Thanksgiving favor. Yeah, <laughs> it would be give us some feedback. Email oh my us, goodness, please. info at jimandjohn.com. We'd love suggestions for episodes. We would love feedback on how to make this show even better. And we're just grateful that you listen. So thanks for being, being when a you, listener. When you're on your third helping of turkey and, and mashed potatoes. Yeah, and just get, before you go into that coma, yeah, that food coma. Think of, think of your old pals, Jim and John. May and, you daydream <laughs> about giving feedback to Jim and John. Yeah. You'll just hear our voices in your head saying, feedback. Email us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number six, John. You're number up. six. Uh, we got, um, with exceptions, and I've talked about this before. With exceptions, the future of society. I made this distinction now. The future of society will be less dramatic and more boring than you thought it would be. I really like this one, 
And I didn't originally I had the future will be less dramatic, more boring. That's pessimistic to me. That's oh my my life is going oh, to be what you're saying. boring. And that's not what I mean. I mean um events. I mean the human race's um uh, projection through the future. Impending challenges mm-hmm. will resolve will resolve in a more boring way typically mm-hmm. than you think. And it's more uh cautioning against um hysteria, I yes. guess. Yes. Um, and, uh, and with exception being that there are crazy things that happen. Yeah. Um, uh, COVID is one of them. Mm-hmm. Go, that's crazy. This is nuts. And like, and yet and we see that it has turned out less dramatic right, than you, they originally predicted. If you watch a pandemic movie, which have kind of come <laughs> back into fashion now, they're all pretty crazy. Yeah. And this is nowhere near that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's more just a cautioning kind of, um, yeah, we, and we watch movies like, and you watch the zombie movies, or you watch uh, that Will Smith movie where they all. I am Legend. I am Legend. It's a really good one. Yeah, those are great. But but generally speaking, the world turns out to be far less dramatic than a movie. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, I mean that's the that's the rule. I like it. So number what are we at? Seven, seven, and um, I, this might kind of be connected to the one you just gave in some weird way. Maybe not. You tell me. Okay. <laughs> your life is perfectly designed to give you the outcomes you're currently getting. I love that one. I don't know. I wouldn't connect it to this one, probably the one before, but but I love it. I love this one because um, we tend to practice insanity, which is to do the same thing over and over and over again and hope for different results. Mm-hmm. And we think that also the bad parts of our lives are coming from outside of us. And generally speaking, your life is perfectly designed as you're operating it right now to get you the results you're getting. So my friend Cindy says, if nothing changes, nothing changes. <laughs> and so if you want different results, you're going to have to do something different because doing it the way you're doing it is perfectly designed to get you the results you're currently getting. Right. So when you think, man, my life just is not changing, it's because your life is not changing. You're not, you're not changing the actual minutia right. of your day. I love that. That's yeah, and I think most of these I think are pretty simple. Yeah, and it's a it's it's a person it's an accepting responsibility thing. It helps you point the camera right back at yourself. Yeah. Instead of being victimized by the people around you or the world around you, it forces you to look at yourself and go, "What am I doing? What are my processes, thinking processes, et cetera, et cetera, that are putting me where I'm at?" Yeah. No, I love that. I love the diagnostics that we've done a few episodes on, kind of diagnostic tools like that. And that's maybe more of a diagnostic philosophy, but yeah, but I love it. Now, uh, what number are you on? Nine? Uh, eight. Did I go first? Yeah. And then I'll go last. Okay, good. Because I was thinking, oh, am I supposed, did I no. miss one? Because right, I'm looking <laughs> at my list. I got one left. No, because you had the big opening and I've got the big ending. All right, here we go. Okay, so uh, number eight, uh, you're on God's time, which uh, for me, this is, so when you're reading um, traditionally older Bible stories in the Old Testament. And uh, like with uh, Elijah, he, uh, uh, God tells him to go and, uh, and sit by the river and, and Elijah goes there and he prays for no rain for three years. And when the river dries up, he knows that he can stop praying for no rain or I'll be honest, it's been, a, it's been a minute, but this was my aha at this point was that, um, for three years of his life, which is a long time. That's a long time. It's a very long time. Uh, he just sat by a river because God told him to, and he lived down by the river, lived in a van down by the river. <laughs> uh, that's a long time. Uh, uh, Moses, 
um, he, we have the, the prologue to Moses' life, and then freaking 60 years later, we have 40, pick, 40 years. He was 40 when he left? 40 when he left and 40 when he, and 80 when he came and 80, back. Yeah, I knew he was 80. I <clears> yeah, so he was, he, was in the, he was out in the wilderness 40 years. So 40 years mm-hmm. of basically uneventful things happening or nothing of note enough to that we know about it. Yeah. He just went out there, got a wife, and was an old man. It's in notable the to get a wife. It's super notable. We know who she is. We know Popped her out a couple of kids. Yeah. I mean, that's all notable, but he was just, um, as far as the meaning of his life, mm-hmm. he did not do what he was made to do till he was 80. And probably considered himself a failure uh, yeah. because of all that he thought he, he thought he was going to be Israel's deliverer when he was 40. Yeah. So uh, this is what I mean by you're on God's time, that just these crazy, the hall of faith in Hebrews 11, we've talked yeah. about that a few times. Person after person after person. Abraham, he gets the promise of Isaac and decades go by and he gets older and older and older. And really, the, God's waiting for it to be physically impossible for him to yes, have that child. Anyway. The miracle becomes sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. Yeah. So uh, um, the stories are endless. Uh, uh, Joseph, he has these visions of being in authority. And then he's um, betrayed by his family, thrown into slavery, accused of, of rape, thrown into prison. And bam, he finds himself just skyrocketed to the right hand of the Pharaoh after being in prison for like four years longer than he was supposed to be. Because mm-hmm. the guy who he got out of prison forgot to tell Pharaoh about him. Right. So it's God's time, meaning um, just take a breath because these things can take a very long time in general in, in things that you, promises you feel God has given you or, um, um, I don't know, culminations of things. That's what, that's what I mean. I'm trying to, I am, I am groping for how this helps you um, in a real practical way. And you're saying that when you are tempted to give up and you are thinking this isn't going to happen. Just realize there's still time, and and, yeah. and God. One of the ways I've kind of worded this is God is, um, He's never late, mm-hmm. but He is rarely early. <laughs> <laughs> he's always on time. He is on time, and it's His time. That's and what it, you're saying. Yeah, you could call this "It ain't over till it's over." Yeah, you know, don't the um, He. He who began a work in you will not rest until it is mm-hmm. until it is finished. A a word from God does not come back empty-handed. Um, and even I would uh, talk about this with even um, it does. Your dreams don't end with you, or God's promises for your life don't end with you. Mm-hmm. Abraham didn't really live to see his entire progeny. He lived to see his his first progeny. Right. Um. But but the sons of Abraham, which we are through the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he didn't live to see any of that. Not physically. Pretty amazing. Yeah. So, uh, you know, stories of missionaries who, um, get to a mission field, have a really hard time, um, pass away. And then years later, this, these big movements of God are traced through the work that God did through those people. Yeah. So it's just that, that God is faithful across millennia. That's That's, really cool. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm trying to get. And I don't mean it to be discouraging. It's supposed to be encouraging. Right. Um, but, uh, um, patience, I guess you could, you could distill all that down to patience. Very good. All right. Number nine, you will never regret doing the hard thing. Hmm. Never. Never. I've racked my brain with this, and I cannot think of a time you would regret doing the hard thing. Hmm. Whereas you'll regret doing the easy thing over and over and over again. Yeah. And you might regret not taking the time to do the hard thing. In other words, doing nothing. Yeah. You might regret doing nothing, but you'll never regret doing the hard thing. Give me an example of the hard thing. 
sacrificing tons of short-term gratification for one long-term gratification. Hmm. So uh, you won't regret it. You you won't regret doing the hard thing to prepare yourself for something. Uh, the hard, basically, the way I would I would uh, simplify this is hard is good. We avoid hard things, but hard is good. Hard is good. So you, um, you put in extra work on a side hustle. You're working eighty hours a week, forty of those on your own gig, for a small business you're going to launch, mm-hmm. and um. And it just it just doesn't. Even it. if it fails, you will not regret it. You chased it. You tried it. You gave it all you had. You learned. You learned. You just won't regret the hard thing. I can't think of a hard thing you would do that you would regret doing. Hmm. And one of the ones I had to, you know, I had more than five. Yeah. And one of the things I had to scratch off was that there are some treasures that are only discovered with longevity and endurance. So. Hmm. Um, I've been married 36 years and I have young married couples and singles who say, man, I really admire your marriage. Well, you might not have admired this marriage 20 years ago. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) And I know that Sue and I have something that we simply could not get any other way Mm. than longevity. Yeah. And so, uh, man, you'll never regret doing the hard thing. Yeah. That longevity one is, is, uh, by definition, you and mom could not have that intimacy without the time. You can't. It is a required ingredient. It is. That's really, really interesting. Yeah. And sometimes hard is the required ingredient. Mm-hmm. And your unwillingness to give it means you're not going to get it. Right. Yeah. I love that. That, that, that. Another way to word that is every, everybody who ever achieved anything has a give up story. We love the success story, but we have to get to the back story to see where they gave it up. Like something they gave up somewhere to get that. And talking about, um, you know, failed uh, endeavors or failed hard mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Um, those people have fail stories coming out their ears yes. of the times they failed. Yeah. Uh, especially I'm looking at writers um, um, who made it, you know, very, very few wrote their uh, masterpiece before the age of, you know, 30 or 35. Yeah. And so they wrote a lot of probably really bad stuff. <laughs> and you get, you know, you get prodigies. But even like uh, I don't know if you remember the fantasy s- series called uh, um, Aragon. It's about this. Uh, it's not Lord of the Rings Aragorn. It's about a dragon rider. Um, fantasy story came out when I was in like grade school. I think I remember. Written by a guy in high school. Wow. He had been writing since he was in elementary school. Then wrote this fantasy novel in high school and and became a bestseller in high school. Wow. But if you read it. It's not that good. <laughs> He's a high schooler. It's an it's it's well done. Yeah. But if you're looking at pros, and because he kept writing his whole life, he's much better now. So it's, you know, it's it's that right. Yes. Right. All right. Number ten. Drum roll, please. Number ten. Life is bubblegum in reverse. This yeah, is. I have no idea what you mean. <laughs> this is what I mean. When you chew bubblegum. Uh, the flavor gets duller and duller and duller and duller until you're chewing on rubber and it's really nasty. And it's no worth it. Yeah. yeah. You got to throw another one Spit in. Spit it out. Yeah. Life is the opposite of that. And this is when I was a kid and a lot of people have this idea of youth. You know, there's the, the Billy Madison scene where he's shaking that kid's head and he says, <laughs> stay here. Stay here as long as you can. Oh, tell him to stay a child. Just stay in school. Stay a kid. Uh, and that's commonly held. And, and, and when your kid things are simpler 
and you're happier more of the time, unless you're, you know, unless you're not, which very, very sad. Um, but here's the thing. So, so you, uh, delight in a game, a movie, candy, ice cream. When you're a kid, sports, friends, you, uh, are sorrowful about these same things. Life gets more and more and more depth and flavor and significance mm-hmm. the more you go. That's what I mean. That that uh, you, it's, if you've ever started a hobby, when I first thought I knew something about coffee, I was a barista for a bit. I was like, I know coffee. I'm a barista. Then I found a, a web forum about people who really know coffee. Mm-hmm. And, I find, and I learned I don't know anything. Right. And then if I'd got it with an instrument, I'm getting pretty good at this instrument thing. You know, play, I go to try and learn one song and he's doing things with his hands that shouldn't even be possible with only <laughs> four fingers. And I'm like, okay, I'm an idiot. It gets deeper and deeper and deeper. This is true of your walk with God. As soon as you think, um, you know, I have depth here. I have a relationship. It just goes deeper. True of your marriage. What you, you know, I would have told, I told Lindsay, I loved her before we were dating for a year and what I felt for her then is nothing what I feel for her now. What I feel for her now will be nothing what I feel for her in a decade. It's deeper and deeper, and, and it keeps going. C.S. Lewis has this idea of heaven that he talks about where um, it is, this is like a, a dingy shadow hmm. of heaven. If you were to step on a blade of grass in heaven, is what he says, it would go through your foot because heaven is more real than you are. Heaven is the more realized oh, wow. creation, and you are in this... Um, foggy, vague mess. Yeah. So it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's really exciting. Yeah. That's what, that's what this is, is, is I can't wait. It's joy. It's, it's, you know, and you realize that even in your saddest, most difficult, painful moments, there is a profound beauty to that. Exactly. Because there is beauty on the other side and there is, um, there is, well, beauty is the best word I can think of because, it may not be pleasant. It may not be uh, fun and games, but it will be beautiful. And I, I had that realization even just earlier today. That's how fresh this kind of epiphany is. Even sorrow is a flavor. Mm-hmm. A kid doesn't really know what sorrow is necessarily, mm-hmm. even if they've experienced what would amount to sorrow for an adult, just because they're kids. They don't, you know. Uh, sorrow is a flavor. It represents how deeply you feel, feel felt or feel something. So like when you mourn someone, the beauty is in how real that connection is or was. So that's that's what I mean. Even the bad times have so much more significance and meaning and depth and it just gets more and more real. I love it. What's your takeaway? Do you have one from this entire conversation? I mean, that might be it. That's a that's a great way to finish. I think most of mine we have ten we're a unit. I shouldn't keep saying mine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh half of the list at least <laughs> is is uh maybe too zoomed out and i realized that about a lot of my um thinking it's not always very practical it is uh it's mindsets i guess mm-hmm. i've I, there were five mindsets and and yours were often mindsets too but yours are very practical it's who do you listen to who do you trust what do you do to change your life what do you do to change outcomes of your life yeah which uh help people probably more often than the um headspace ideological ones, but I, I kind of can't help. Myself. I, I love the balance of it. Cause I do, I do think I, I am at the end of the day, a pragmatist. I want to know what works. Yeah. And uh, that's why, and that's why you're a, a good leader. And that's why when you've said, whenever you suggest that I might lead 
people. I think it's silly. I don't <laughs> think I could at all. <laughs> well, I love. I really value the list you gave and the the those concepts because that that helps you get a high altitude view of something that you're so focused in on you can't see past it, mm-hmm. and so you back that lens up and get a better view. It's really helpful. Well, we hope this has been a enjoyable podcast for you. And again, happy Thanksgiving 2020. Yeah. And uh, thanks for listening. Hope you have a great week, and we'll talk to you in a week. Awesome. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody.